Howdy, everybody. Um, so welcome to another episode of Grace McGeehan talking all things I am enough. Now, I'm really excited about this episode because I think it's obviously incredibly relevant right now um, in COVID times, especially as we start to think about how life is going to go back to normal and we have the pathway out to lockdown. So I have um, Sophia Butt as my guest today, who is a lovely, beautiful soul. She's actually my older sister's best friend and they've been friends since school. We all went to Tiffin Girls together. Um, so Sophia is an amazing doctor. She studied medicine at the Imperial College School of Medicine and graduated in 2015. She's also completed a Bachelor of Science in Pharmacology and then worked as a foundation doctor in South London and Sussex to complete her foundation training. And following this, Sophia went to work in Australia in emergency medicine. She then returned to the UK to start a clinical fellow job in intensive care for a year. She spent several months traveling around South America, Japan and the Philippines. Wow, I'm not jealous at all, Sophia. <laughs> Before commencing her core anesthetic training in Northwest London in 2019. So Sophia is currently working as a doctor in anesthetics in Northwest London. And during the pandemic, she has been redeployed to mainly work on the intensive care unit, looking after patients with COVID. These patients are amongst the sickest in the hospital and many require a ventilator to support their breathing. And we're gonna be talking um, about you know, COVID and how it's affected doctors and nurses um, during these times in relation to mental health, which is of course an incredibly important topic. And I think I really wanted to talk about this because it's really easy for us lot. I mean, definitely I can put my hands up and say, um, me included, that we forget that these doctors and nurses, you know, they're, they're, it's like they're in a war zone. They're in the thick of it every single day. And um, the effect that all of this is gonna have on them is huge. And I think it's really humbling um, and sobering to hear about all of this and remind ourselves that, you know, of, of all the incredible work that they've done. Um, so of course there might be some kind of triggering um confronting things that we discuss um so i just wanted to warn everybody of that before they listen so what an introduction welcome sophia thank you for joining me on this friday there's a little bit of sunshine afternoon and Firstly, kind of, it, it goes without saying, thank you so much from myself and everyone that's listening for all the incredible work that you and your colleagues are doing during this time. I can only imagine how this last year has been. Thank you very much for having me here. So every single guest that comes onto this show, I always ask the same question. So I'd like to know, Sophia, what is your not enough? Um, so I think this is a question I have really struggled with finding an answer to. And I think I don't think there's necessarily one thing I don't f feel enough of or feel maybe insecure about. But I think there are things maybe I don't feel satisfied with. Um, and I think on a so on a personal level, I think everyone or well, maybe I'm wrong, maybe not everyone has 
feelings like people don't like them what do people think of me was that really awkward was I really awkward in that situation so one one of the things I, I would maybe do feel is I'm not maybe likable enough or charismatic enough and then we're talking about on a professional level and professionally especially during the pandemic I do think I I'm a perfectionist and everything if everything doesn't go exactly in the perfect way I feel like it, it's not good enough and like my best is not in some situations not enough because I because I want it to be perfect um, and mm. obviously in the pandemic especially it's difficult to have situations where everything is is perfect in terms of your clinical management in terms of the situation in terms of the resources uh, mm. available yeah which I can imagine is incredibly frustrating and and that's why I really wanted to speak with you today because I think that it's going to be an incredibly informative and sobering conversation for those listening because as we kind of had the discussion before that we started recording you know we're, we're all kind of aware of the impacts that this is going to have on the staff at, NH at the NHS but I don't think we're really aware of the extent of the impact it's going to have. Yeah, I think I think that is definitely true. And I think, I, I mean, I guess, I don't think we have, as staff understand that either fully. Mm. I think that, you know, it may be, there are already shortages of staff. I don't know how people are going to feel when this is all over or if mm. it, we don't know how over it's ever going to be if, to some extent this may recur year uh, for a few years we don't we don't know and I think that's one of the, the difficult thing is maintaining staff throughout that period and staff's yeah. kind of well-being throughout that period. Mm. And I guess at the moment there's just a an overwhelming fear of the unknown and kind of not knowing when this is going to end and, and when it does end like what is what's life going to be like? And what's the working environment going to be like for you guys? Yeah, well, exactly. I I'm not sure. And I'm not sure that I think also the thing that maybe we, the, maybe the general public hasn't considered is that, or some people will have, but the um, aftermath of it all, like all the healthcare that's been neglected and mm. that may go on for years, all the, kind of trying to catch up with all the operations that haven't happened um or maybe the cancers that have been missed because all the chronic conditions that have been undertreated because covid has had to take a front seat for, sure. for the majority of the year mm. yeah definitely so before um this discussion Sophia sent me a, a very sobering article um which apparently has been um, publicized in the media quite a lot now i wanted to just touch on that um because it really does um hone in on the impacts of the staff at the nhs working in intensive care during covid19 now this study it had 709 participants completing the surveys which had 291 doctors and 344 nurses and basically they did loads of different tests to kind of find out what the impact was and over half reported good well-being which is a good sign but 45 met the threshold for 
probable clinical significance on at least one of the following. So these were severe depression, PTSD, severe anxiety, or problem drinking, which is, you know, I mean, when you see the figures like that, it's like, oh, that is deep and heavy, heavy stuff, right? Yeah, I think, I think pretty, pretty heavy, um, to say the least. Um, and I was saying to you before um, we started recording, I don't think, I don't think we really talk about it openly at work, which is quite interesting, really, since, you know, everyone's works in healthcare and is medical, but yeah, we don't really talk openly about those mm. things with each other and there certainly mm. are services that are available and advertised and there's a lot of support within the hospital because they I, everyone knows it's a problem but it's not necessarily something we discuss on a openly on a day-to-day -day basis with each other which mm. I think is quite interesting and I don't really know I have to say what the people I work closely with what they're all individually going through on a day-to-day -day basis and personal level and how how maybe how they feel about how their lives are being affected because I guess I I know things on the surface like people have childcare and they've had to work around say changing up their entire because as our rotors change um, we have to do more on calls more nights and um, because of um, the pandemic and our rotors can change relatively quickly with little notice um, and then they have to fit their childcare in around that which is something I don't have to worry about and I can only imagine like the stress of trying to have to figure that all out and also have to look mm. after family whilst you're also looking after patients um, mm. and the impact that has and you know we don't really talk about it particularly openly and I have to say, I know of also, I guess, a lot of um, nurses in intensive care um, that have, in, in that study, it's particularly nurses that yeah. um, have uh, report a lot of the mental health uh, burden, uh, as well as, and that's not to say that doctors and other healthcare professionals don't, but nurses were the highest uh, in there. Um, and I, I did hear of a lot of nurses going off um, with stress and uh, not being able to continue in the job. Um, and I think that's that's really difficult. And I think they've done a really, I think one of the hardest jobs during uh, the pandemic uh, the IT nurses have done in the sense that they're the ones staying by the patient's side 24 seven. Um, in all the PPE the whole time um, mm. they really get to know and get close to that patient they're looking with and then a lot of sadly a lot of those patients become very very sick and also a lot of them do die so mm. you know that that is really really difficult I think yeah it kind of sounds like I mean you're all in the war zone and you know you're talking about how you and your colleagues don't really talk about it and I can imagine part of that is because there's not the time you know you guys are just on it 24 7. Yeah I think I think that is something I have felt during uh, especially during the kind of two waves is I haven't really had time to 
relax, to do things, to exercise, um, mm. to look after those kind of aspects of my life. Um, mm. Because there isn't the time because either you're working or you're tired from working. <laughs> so then, you mm. you know, you don't really feel like doing much apart from recovering from work. Um, yeah. So it's difficult. And you just kind of want to switch off. And I mean, I had quite a few close friends at university. Um, and I don't know if you can resonate with this, Sophia, but they were always the ones, you know, who were studying medicine and they were the ones that would work hard, but play very hard after as well. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I think the issue is that, that you can't really play hard during, during lockdown. Sure. <laughs> I think that's yeah. one of the other things is you, you know, after, um, difficult days at work and um, long periods of work you, you know you may do do the things you do to relax and release and you may you know go to the pub with all your colleagues and then kind of unwind and chat about things there there's not that that kind of release now um, mm. or so I used to play a lot of netball and that used mm -hmm. to be something I would always feel so much better after doing it. And you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And this is it. And and I think that's probably why, you, you know, you talk about how there's that uncertainty of how this is really impacting us, uh, you guys at the moment. And that's perhaps because you're always on the go and you're not even aware of how it's impacting you because you're not really taking the time to really deal with it type thing. Yeah, I, I think that that is true. Um, I think especially during the the first wave when it all first started, I think they've both been slightly different in terms of mm. um, how people have dealt with things and realised how it affects them. So I think in the first wave, it was very much like you were thrown into it. Everyone just got on with it. There, I don't think people really considered how it was affecting them till towards the end of the first wave, maybe when things calmed down a bit. And then there was that yeah. kind of aftermath over the summer. And it was really nice to get out again. Uh, and then I think the second wave has come and I think morale during that second wave has been a lot lower because everyone knew what was coming. And mm. it was like a feeling of, oh no, not again. Um, yeah and I think I think it's also well in London perhaps it's been worse um mm. so I think that's been difficult to to handle and it's like it's nearly a year on so I think that mentally yeah. is <laughs> I think the whole population's feeling that um yeah that definitely. it's a year and, on and here we yeah. are <laughs> here we are still at still in the midst of it all but also the weather you know like the fact yeah. that we're in the bitter cold winter doesn't yeah. help things <laughs> it's it's uh, mine like minus one degrees outside so even when you go for your walk yeah it's freezing cold but, I know but things I think things are looking like they have to get better you know yeah so I think that is the light at the end of the tunnel for sure that definitely feels like there is a light at the end of the tunnel coming and I will put that article in the notes for anyone who's interested in reading more about that because it is worth a read for sure. Now, a little bit more on that. So uh, Sophia and I recently worked together. She organized a kind of wellness day for her and her colleagues. And then 
during COVID, I've also been working with various other hospitals um, and been involved in different things to do with the NHS and providing, you know, uh, yoga and therapy and all that sort of thing. So why do you think that that is important to offer to, you know, you guys? Um, So I have to be honest in that I have always kind of dabbled in yoga, but I've never been able to fully relax and go with it. So I've always had, like my mind's always raced and I've always enjoyed the kind of faster flow yogas because you're moving a bit more, but in the one, in the yoga way you have to pause and breathe and just kind of relax into yourself. I've always really struggled with that because I've mentally been thinking, oh, thinking about the next thing, can't, can't mm. just like let go. Um, and I, I almost feel like bored during it. Mm. Um, mm. But during this uh, second wave, I started um, doing more yoga again. And it's been the first time that I've been able to actually kind of use that stillness and that mm. that kind of slowness to relax and breathe and let go of things and I I don't know what why it is I think maybe it's the first time I've kind of needed to do that Um, which I think is really interesting and actually during this time in winter in the second lockdown you can't leave your house yoga is one of the only things (laughs) and pieces of exercise that you can do and I think it also is really good for teaching you those techniques to um, relax and let go and just be and accept yourself. And I have actually mm. found it incredibly um, useful to do. Um, so on a kind of mental and well-being level, very useful. And also um, on a physical level, especially in anesthetics and actually in, I guess, in lots of jobs, actually, you get lots of back problems and neck problems Mm. um, from either sitting at a desk or doing procedures in slightly awkward uh, positions. And it's just really actually very good for physically feeling a lot better about yourself as well. So I think there's two aspects of actually why it's really useful and really important. Um, Mm. and especially for uh, healthcare workers at the moment yeah the the feedback that I've had with people the hospitals I've been working with has been great and it is it feels like it's that 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 it's their little special hour every week to just switch off and come away from things yeah definitely and that's what I definitely I I was I started doing it uh with my boyfriend maybe at the end of each day and it just meant that I was able to like I could just yeah spend the rest of my evening a lot easier to switch off a lot easier to sleep and it did just Mm. it just made me feel like easier to relax and it was Mm. taking that time to maybe get yourself into that space yeah um, and that mindset yeah definitely so apart from kind of obviously yoga, because that's what I do, what what do you think that, what else do you think can be done to help the situation and the impact that this is going to have on all of you guys? 
Uh, yeah, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I do, I do think, you know, the hospitals are trying. They've all got, um, you know, there's lots of uh, support out there now within local, locally within hospitals. So um, there's psychological support, um, especially in ITU. Like I think in our uh intensive care there's on a monday afternoon or something uh people can sit down and there's a session there for people to talk um mm. which i have to say i don't think i've necessarily been working at that time or i've been busy so i've never actually been able to attend but it is there um and there's there are different people um there's within the hospital that their contact details are you know put up in many places I've noticed over the hospital now um, and there's mental health first aiders and there there's lots of charities now doing work for it so we spoke to people from a charity called UOK Doc recently um, who mm. helped at this wellbeing event as well um, and they're doing some great work so there is a lot of support out there um, yeah I guess so that's, I guess that's one aspect, but then there's other aspects of, because I think there's one thing having the support there, but I, I don't know how many people are actually necessarily using that. And, you know, that's mm. also maybe not for everyone, or that's maybe yeah. not what everyone needs. Um, Definitely. I guess I think people probably need just some, also some time off for them, which mm. is difficult during this, this time. But hopefully yeah. in over, in a month or two, that, that will be possible. Um, yeah. And I do think one thing that's difficult for everyone is maybe, and everyone in general at the moment, is friends and family and being able to see your friends and family because you can't, yeah. essentially. Mm. And yeah. I think everyone's struggling with that. Mm. Um, and For sure. I think one thing about working in healthcare and in a hospital is even when it it's all over if people have family members that are vulnerable I don't know how comfortable they even when they're allowed to see them how comfortable if they're still working in an environment with uh COVID how how comfortable they'll feel and I think that's yeah one thing that maybe people don't consider and that kind of sacrifice that people make mm. and that's quite difficult yeah because you guys are seeing it firsthand and, and that's perhaps where you know some people are being a little bit more lax around the rules because they're not fully aware of the extent of everything that's going on so on a kind of more personal level Sophia, obviously you've um, seen how it's affecting your colleagues and perhaps read about the impacts it might have how have you first-hand experienced in your personal life the effect thus far um so I think there are obviously a lot of negatives but there are some positives too um mm -hmm. so I know I'll talk about the positives first <laughs> because I feel I, like this has been a very uh kind of sobering conversation but the positives yes. I'd say yes. are that actually because I'm going in and out of the hospital, 
I haven't had that typical lockdown that everyone else has had where they haven't left their house. So on some right. levels, although my work in the hospital is different and it's not the same as it, it was pre-COVID, the actual kind of daily routine of getting up, going to work, coming back from work, that's the same. So in some ways, mm. that's that's quite nice. And so yeah. I guess on that level, I don't necessarily have that level of maybe isolation that, you know, people that are living at home, working at home, not able to leave the house, see other people. I don't necessarily have that level of isolation they have because I go to work, I see all my colleagues. Um, mm. And that also means that myself and I live with my boyfriend, that he, he and I aren't spending 24 seven together. Mm. So actually I think in some ways that's been a strain on maybe some people's relationship is spending all that time in one room with one other person. And I don't think sure. we've necessarily had that because when I've come home and been able to see him, that's been really nice. Yeah. Um, so I think- Is he a doctor are, as well, Sophia? He is a doctor, um, but he's, so he does surgery. And so he has been working a lot less than I have maybe and he's so right. he's also uh, doing research and a PhD so he's actually at home a lot more um yeah but and so he doesn't quite see the same the same side of COVID that that I see mm. yeah um but it's can nice I just say he, yeah can I just say by the way <laughs> don't know if I should say this but I'm gonna say it so yeah. they keep saying boyfriend but it's actually recently a fiance <laughs> you putting your you keep scratching your head because we're on video as we record this and I'm seeing that beautiful ring it's so nice thank you yeah no it's congratulations a thank you it is a fiance I don't know it feels weird to yeah. say the word fiance <laughs> yeah I can imagine it's like so getting that, used yeah. to it that was just before um that was just at the beginning of December so that was very mm. nice because we actually managed to go out for a really nice dinner um because oh, it was just before so everything nice. shut down again um so that was very nice yeah. um but then yeah so going back to the personal <laughs> side of the effects the, <laughs> the effects I guess are that you like we haven't been able to see family and friends so we did we got engaged and haven't really been able to see anyone to celebrate um mm. uh so yeah that I think I think not being able to see family and friends is the most difficult thing and definitely yeah. the thing I struggle with the most. Um, and I think during, so during the first wave and seeing all these people very, very unwell with uh, COVID, I think I've definitely been more cautious of it than your yeah. average member of the population. Uh, and my fear has always been someone I know getting it yeah um and that's been very very real for me because obviously I see the worst end of it and so my I'm very aware that my uh view of it most people who get it are fine but I'm very aware what I see is that kind of worst end of the spectrum 
of the yeah. people who get it and aren't fine um mm. but it's difficult when you're seeing that on a day-to-day in your mind that's what that's what happens to everyone and you know don't get me wrong like a lot of people do get unwell with it so it's not mm. something to be taken lightly but anyway so that's been a big fear throughout since it all started is mm. um like some of my family or friends getting it yeah. um and my dad and well both my parents actually got it in December and that was incredibly difficult and very very stressful um, yeah I can imagine so I think that's and you know I, I'm still worried say of my grandparents getting it of mm other family members getting it that is still a big worry yeah and you can only hope that as more and more people start to get vaccinated that that fear in people to see their family will dissipate yeah well exactly I think I think the vaccine is definitely obviously a very good thing and has helped alleviate some of those concerns but not totally banish them because there's always talk of a new variant there's always talk of how effective it is so I guess I guess part of the thing as we were going back to earlier is the unknown we don't Mm. quite know what's going to happen and I guess the last year has shown us that like it's almost like lots there's many eventualities we thought would never happen have happened so I I think that Mm. is something that's quite difficult probably for everyone to um handle at the moment for sure and also what I'm noticing when I speak to like much older people so like neighbors or my grandma I mean there's a huge fear with them with leaving the house and going to you know socialize and all that sort of thing even beyond them getting the vaccine and I guess because they don't really know how safe they're still going to be after getting the vaccine which is scary yeah it is scary um and I think we've only got to hope for the best but it's just something that we kind of have to take a step at a time yeah I had a colleague that said to me um one of my friends actually she said to me that she she works in A&E and she said to me she just thinks about things two days at a time which yeah you know I think that's very interesting and I was like I was thinking how do I how am I thinking about things at the moment and I realized I probably Mm. do think about it in like blocks of shifts at a time yeah which is like you know two or three days at a time and then you kind of think Mm. about the next one yeah and that's that's I mean I love that bit of advice that's amazing like that's how we should all kind of be acting during this time just taking each day as it comes because I think the fear comes and the worry comes when we start to look kind of two months, three months, a year down the line, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, let alone that far in advance. Yeah. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell. Although I hope in two months the weather will be better and lockdown will also be better. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Well, let's exactly, exactly. (laughs) Well, let's, leave it on that positive light note and have a little group hope that that is what the outcome will be in a couple of months time so thank you so much again for joining me Sophia really really appreciate you taking your time I know you work super super hard so it means a lot and I hope that um, all of you guys that are listening have 
kind of um, learned a little bit and um, feel a little bit more educated, I guess, on the severity of all of this and the impact it's going to have. So, Sophia, have a lovely, beautiful weekend and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you. And thank you very much for having me. It's been really, really nice to chat. Oh, my pleasure. So after recording this, Sophia and I actually had a really good chat um, and a catch up about how the episode and the conversation went. Um, we were going to re-record some stuff, but unfortunately we did not have the time before I was to release it. But Sophia wanted to say that actually, you know, on top of all of this stuff that and the impact that this is going to have, there are huge 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 amounts of benefits and positives that have come out of it all um and you know look at the clapping for the nhs how amazing did that feel how uniting did that feel um all of us together clapping for the same cause um and also all the little gifts and the food from organization um for the nhs it's been so appreciated from them all and uh, this is something that Sophia highlighted massively and it's ongoing and uh, you know there's definitely a huge level of appreciation for the NHS and the doctors and nurses and the work that they're doing uh, much more than before all of this um, and you know she mentioned that at the end of the day they signed up for this job and they are actually in an extremely privileged position to be able to help people like this in this situation and be part of um, this whole experience right and be in the front line so yeah I hope you enjoyed and um, I look forward to hearing your thoughts that was my doorbell so I'm gonna go and get that lots of love <laughs>